Welcome to Wildwood College Life of Wildwood Community Church in Norman, Oklahoma. We are four following Jesus together to the glory of God. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Bible teaching, breakfast, and fellowship, and would love to see you there this week. Follow us on Instagram at Wildwood College for more information. And with that, let's dive into this week's message. We have a special message for you this morning. We thought, what would be the best first message? And really, it comes down to what it looks like to follow God, okay? And so, before we get started, have you, any of you guys raise your hand if you've heard of the phrase, the college experience? Anybody? Yeah, okay. So, we've all been familiar or heard of the college experience, and this is what makes college college, right? And whenever you're looking at schools or thinking about where to go, you're kind of imagining, okay, what will my experience be like, right? That's kind of something that's going through your head. What's the, what are the extracurricular programs like? What is the football team? Are they good? We're going to be good this year, right? Uh, all the things that go into making the college experience, you kind of are thinking that way going into college. And if you're here this morning, you probably all are considering maybe somewhat what a church experience might be like, right? You might be thinking, what is the church experience going to be like? And you may have faced a similar journey to me where when you approach faith or you approach spirituality, you really want to experience God. And maybe you want to go deeper, right? Tell me if these phrases sound familiar, okay? These three phrases, tell me if you've ever experienced this with spirituality. Have you ever asked yourself, how can I get closer to God? Have you ever asked yourself, how can I know God more intimately? Have you ever asked, how can I receive all God has for me? At face value, all these questions are well and good, but a deeper look inward might admit that the intimacy that we're looking for is for the benefit of the seeker, the benefit of us. What can God do for me? And those of us who are looking for a deep experience are looking for something for ourselves. And I'm going to challenge all of us here today with a thought. The good disciplines, prayer, going to church, reading our Bible, it, that they help us know God. But if they become everything in our lives, then they can become idolized. And the problem is that this version of spirituality, this version of deep theology, that's fueled by knowledge and discipline and religiosity and experiencing God, that can become all that there is to a believer if we reduce it down to that. But that misses half of what Jesus commanded us to do. That misses half of what Jesus commanded us to do. My goal today is to see that loving God should lead to loving others. And in doing so, we'll see that because God has demonstrated his love for us through Jesus Christ, then we can see the example of what it looks like to love Jesus. And so that's our main idea this morning, is that because God has demonstrated his love through Jesus Christ, we have an example and we know how to love others. And we're going to see that through three ways. The first is that true belief is revealed in our actions. The second, the example of Christ is the example of love. And three, love is not theoretical, but it is actionable. So a moment ago, we talked about how spiritual disciplines, when idolized, can actually become dangerous because it leads us to this religious life rather than a life that is in response to the love that God has shown us, rather than a life that brings God glory. 
And there is a difference. And in fact, this is an issue that even Jesus saw, and he addresses it in Matthew 22. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, but it's going to be on the screen for us. Matthew 22, 36 through 40 says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now notice that loving the Lord is the first command listed, but also notice the connecting phrase. What does it say? The second is like it. Translated, this is not second in importance, but second in order. Okay, it's not second in importance, but second in order. By saying the second is like it, Jesus is creating, creating this equality with the two commands. See, we do not take care of the first command because it is more important, but we take care of the first command and the second command because they are intrinsically tied to one another. Obeying God is simplified down to two, these two fundamental beliefs, which leads to fundamental action. Now, if you're hearing this, you're wondering, what is Kevin trying to say here? What is he trying to communicate? And well, I could explain it, but I think it'd be a lot easier if one of the people closest to Jesus was the one to explain it for us. So turn to 1 John chapter 3, verses 16, and this is John trying to explain what Jesus was talking about. I'm going to read it all, uh, verses 16 through 24 for us. He says this in verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gave us. This is a trend that we see time and time again from Jesus' commands. Right belief should lead to right action. Right belief should lead to right action. Belief changes the way that you live. What we believe affects how we behave. If you believe something at your very core, if you believe something to be very true at your very core, it should affect how you behave. For instance, if you believe a stove is hot, you will not touch it, right? If you believe that this uh, thorn is going to be poisonous and touching it will kill you, you are not going to touch the thorn. And that's the reality, is that true belief is revealed in our actions. And let me give you guys a real-life example. Engagement season, okay? Girls, this is all going to be common sense. Guys, take notes. But if a girl thinks that her boyfriend is about to propose to her, then there's going to be some certain behaviors that she does. 
She's going to, let me, give me, how about you guys give me some examples? What are the things she's going to do? Nails. That is the most important one. I almost got in so much trouble for this, okay? Nails. Got to get the nails done. You got to get your hair done. You got to buy a new dress. There's all these things. If you believe boyfriend's about to propose, bop the question, I got to get my hair did. I got to get all this stuff done, right? Now, if you don't believe that your boyfriend is going to propose, you might forget to wash your hair for a week, right? If you don't believe he's going to propose, why get ready, right? So this is just a real-life example of true belief is revealed in our actions. Now, you can say you believe all these different things. You can say that Jesus is the Son of God and he is the Lord of your life. But if you're not living in light of that truth, then I'm afraid to say you don't really believe it. Because the proof is in the pudding. The proof is revealed in your actions. True belief is revealed in how you live. It is not something that you can just say. It's not mere word ser uh, lip service, but it is revealed in our actions. What you believe affects your behavior. Andy Stanley, he's a communicator and pastor in Atlanta. He explains it like this. Faith that doesn't feel obligated to express itself through love expresses, is, expresses itself through manufactured religious routines. Does this sound familiar? Faith disconnected from love leads to legalism and eye to the sky, vertical morality that doesn't concern itself with loving others. We can get so caught up in trying to make sure everything is right with God vertically that we forget that what we believe affects how we behave. We can forget that there are other people around us. We can get so consumed by ourselves. So, how do you determine what you believe? Well, look at your actions. Look at your actions. What you say you believe is irrelevant because you tell on yourself when you act in a different way. All right, so how many of you guys think isolation is a problem in today's age? Yeah? Max Lucado, in his book, You Are Never Alone, cites that we are in an isolation pandemic. He highlights this issue as one that hospitals in the United States are heavily dealing with. And he says it like this. Administrators of one of the largest hospitals in America cite loneliness as a major reason for overcrowded emergency rooms. Parkland Hospital of Dallas, Texas, made the startling discovery as they were looking for ways to unclog the system. They identified 80, just 80, 80 patients who went to four emergency rooms 5,139 times in a 12-month period, costing the system more than $14 million. Once they identified the names of these repeat visitors, they commissioned teams to meet with them and determine the reason. And their conclusion was loneliness. Loneliness. <laughs> Poverty and food shortage were contributing factors, but the number one determinant was a sense of isolation. The ER provided attention, kindness, and care. Hence, the multiple return visits. They wanted to know someone cares. Isolation, being alone, I think we can all agree, has grown into a rather large problem. And often when we're isolated, and we all were isolated just a couple years ago, 
it feels like no one cares about us. Isolation makes us feel like no one cares about us. So it's an urgent issue that we're dealing with. We cannot miss the reality that people need people. We cannot be so focused on ourselves, on our own problems, that we miss the people around us and the need of loving people. But Jesus gives us hope in this situation. He gives us hope in this situation, and he helps us see that not only does our belief become revealed in our actions, but if we view the example of Christ, we can see that loving God leads to loving people. John describes this hope like this in 1 John. We're going to go to chapter 4 now, verse 10. He says it like this. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Here, John makes a bold statement. He says, God is love. And you might be thinking, how can God be love if he is God? Well, the most loving act of all time was the fact that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was sent to this earth, condescended his nature, and became 100% God and 100% man at the same exact time. He lived a perfect life so that he could die in your place. See, what we have earned for our sin or our mistakes and missing the righteousness of God, missing the mark of his holiness, is eternal separation from God. But God provided a way to be restored back to him, and that was through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the perfect sacrifice that could take on the sin of the world so that anyone who would believe in him, the fact that he lived a perfect life, that he was 100% God, that he died but that he rose again, defeating death, proving that he could conquer our sin and that he was God, they would not only be saved for eternity, but they would be saved in the here and now. That is the gospel. That is the good news. And that is the the best example of love we could ever find. That is the best example of love we could ever find. And that's my second point, is the example of Christ is the example of love. The love of God is so perfect because the most loving act of history came in the gospel. Jen Wilkins, she's one of my favorite podcasters and authors, she says this, the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. And she gets this from Romans 12 too. Romans 12 too, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of our feelings? No, the renewing of our mind. The renewing of our mind. And that makes sense based on what we talked about earlier. Right thinking should lead to right feeling. Right thinking should lead to right feeling. And we know this to be true. Any close relationship that you have, you know everything about them. If 
I've given this example before, but if this is your first time, if I said I loved Carly, that's my wife, Carly over there. If I said I loved Carly, but I said she was really sporty, she really loved to run marathons and hoop it up with the boys and all that stuff, and she didn't like makeup and she didn't like art and all these things, you'd be like, Kevin, you don't love your wife at all. Because if you knew Carly, you knew that she would be artistic. You knew that she would love makeup. And you knew she loved relaxing and plants and things like that. See, you cannot love, the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. And so we love God by knowing him. Truly knowing and believing in the person of Jesus Christ is what gives us hope. And that's how we can see what love looks like. So how do we know what love, the love of Christ looks like? How do we know what Christ and his example of love looks like? Well, we look at it by reading his word. So if you're like, man, I don't know what love is. I don't know, is it, is it what the world tells me? Is it whatever I feel like it is? But if we've determined that love is defined by the example of Christ, the only way that we can know that is by reading about him, reading about his life and abiding in him daily. Now take for a second and look at your screen time. You don't have to do it, but... You probably got the notification this morning like me. And if you look at your screen time, I want you just to consider how much time you're spending with God. Is it one hour on Sunday? Maybe, if you're not busy. Versus five hours of social media a day? Now just imagine, what is going to win that fight? One hour a week or five hours a day? If you are constantly being fed by this world's messages, don't be surprised when your definition of love is different than the example of Christ. We are all being discipled into something. And if you're not abiding in Christ daily, if you are not reading his word, if you are not praying, if you're not communing with other believers, and you are being entrenched in the world and the world's messages, then don't be surprised when you look like the world. John goes on in chapter 4. He says, This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, they cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother. There is not an option. According to John, who got this straight from Jesus, walked alongside him, one of his closest disciples, anyone who loves God must also love their brother. It's not anyone who loves God might love their brother. Anyone who loved God should, but must love their brother. Paul says in Galatians, the only things that count is faith expressing itself through love. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says faith without works is dead. So what are all these people saying? They're saying our third point, which love is not theoretical, it is actionable. Love is not theoretical, it is actionable. So it is not enough to say, yes, it is good to love others. It is not enough just to believe and think that it is honorable to be kind and generous and grateful to your roommates. It is not just good to think these things. 
but it is not just a theory, it is an action. What we believe changes how we act, yes, but more than that, a love for God leads, it directs us to a love for others. We love God by loving others. They are this interconnected, symbiotic relationship in which as we're loving God, it is an act of worship. As we're loving others, it is an act of worship because that is what Jesus defines as obeying God. We obey the law. We obey God because God, Christ loves us, yes, but we do it through loving God and loving others. That is the method that Jesus has shown us. And don't forget this. Everybody is somebody that God loves. Everybody is somebody that God loves. And so whenever you're dealing with conflict, whenever, whenever you're dealing with roommate conflict, whenever you're dealing with family conflict, whenever you're dealing with just the nature of being a human, and it's hard to love someone, just remember that even that person is loved by God. Even that person is made in the image of God. And they have value not based on how much you like them, but the fact that they were made in the image of God. So let's go back to chapter 3 for a moment. Let's go back to chapter 3. Verses 16. I want to just focus on this short little section here. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. For John, Paul, James, and Jesus, loving people is loving God. Not because those people are God, but because they are uniquely and precisely loved by God. Under the command that Jesus gave us, we do not love God and love our neighbor. Under the new command, we love God by loving our neighbors. The example of Jesus shows that loving God leads to loving people. It is not this religious morality that is the only thing, but it is expressed in our love for one another. 1 John 4.20 says it like this, Forever does not love their brother and sister whom they have not seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. So it's not the religious hoops that we jump through, the prayers we pray, the worship songs we sing, or even the communion we take that show our love for God. It's much simpler than that. Real quick, do you guys remember the movie Finding Nemo? Yeah? What do the seagulls say whenever they see the fish jumping out of the water and stuff? Mine, 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 right? They say mine, mine. We're a lot more similar to these seagulls than we probably like to admit, right? <laughs> when we look at college, this time in your life, everything is about you. What is my major? What is the dreams that I want to pr pursue? We all have these dreams, right? They're mine. We all have these goals. They're mine. We all have these ambitions. They're mine. We all choose a major that is uniquely mine. We have dreams and possessions and all these things, and they're mine. And ultimately, we lose sight when we are so focused on ourselves and we spend so much time pursuing our goals and our desires and what we want that we miss the collective need of those around us. 
So I challenge you this week not to just have a theory of love, but to have love that plays out, as John says, with actions and in truth. Willingly go out of your way for someone else. Willingly go out of your way for your roommates, your friends, the people you don't even like. This is not just a theory of knowledge that we're downloading into our brains, but it is a reminder and a motivation of how to live. When we read the Bible, we are transformed by it. We, are, we don't just learn it. We are transformed by it. That means we live differently. And it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can do these, do these things. So think, talk. How can you love your neighbor this week? How can you love others this week? We saw today that selfishness can lead to isolation and ultimately there is a better way where loving God leads to loving people. And by looking at how true belief leads to right actions, number one. Number two, the example of Christ is the example of love. And three, love is not theoretical, it is actionable. We saw that because God has demonstrated love through the person and work of Jesus Christ, we have the example of what it looks like to love others.